Hello, and welcome to the Summit Church Podcast. Our messages are designed to help teach and equip you on your journey to lead people to follow Christ. We hope that this message will inspire and encourage you no matter where you are in your journey towards Jesus. If you have any questions, want to talk, or want to learn more about Summit, visit us at summitniles.com. Take your Bibles with me this morning. Turn to the New Testament, the book of Matthew, chapter 6. That is our text for this morning's message. Walk It Out is the title of the series that we're in. We're talking about putting our theology in shoe leather. So we talked about how to walk out prayer a couple weeks ago. Last week we talked about the importance of God's Word. This week we're going to be looking at fasting. Someone walked by me the other day and said, what are we talking about fasting? I said, we're talking about fasting. He said, oh, can't you preach another one on the Word? <laughs> uh, all right, just buckle in. You'll be all right. By the way, these chairs have seatbelts. So if you need, if you need a seatbelt because you're hearing something that's blowing your, you know, the hat off your head, just buckle up. You'll be all right. Uh, next week we're talking about witnessing as we walk walk out our faith. And then the following week, we're going to talk about community, our opportunity, responsibility to engage with other believers. Here's what we know to be true. It's positively clear in Scripture. We're saved by grace through faith, not by works. Nothing I'm going to say today is going to distract from that. I hope you understand it. But God's Word also talks about good works that He has prepared for us to do. Not as a means to salvation, but as the message of salvation's proof, right? So it's, it's the working out of our faith. It's the things that any parent would expect of a child as they grow and mature. These little infants don't have chores, right? There's no way that the Brens or the Sheelys have given their infant children chores, you know, Take out the trash. Do the dishes. Of course not. However, when children begin to grow up, in order for them to mature and to become um, successful in life, parents set out things for them to do. And one of the things that God has is we work out our faith and we walk it out um, There are things in our life that help strengthen those spiritual uh, 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 discipleship muscles that help us to be all that God has called us to be. And we need to follow God with everything we have. You say, what is the reason, the purpose of these these messages? Look, when when we get to the judgment, you say, well, listen, I'm, as a Christian, I'm, I'm not going to face the judgment. Oh, yes, you are. You're not going to face the great white throne judgment, but you and I will stand before God at the judgment seat, the bema seat, the mercy seat of God, and we need to follow Christ and, and, and be ready to do that. One of the things that I'm doing, it's, it's like when, when you're preparing to go on vacation as a kid, I used to love the you know, packing and, and preparing and making sure I had all the stuff that I needed, had a certain amount of space. And, and the excitement of all of that, but I was preparing to go on vacation. And one of the things I'm doing as a pastor is trying to prepare you to stand before God someday at the judgment seat. And so we need to be 
following God with everything we have. There's, you know, at the judgment seat, there is no more time for confession. There is no more grace to be gained. There is no more sacrifice for sin left. You can't patch up your prayer life at the judgment seat. You can't read more of the word. You can't serve more. You can't lay up more treasure when you're standing at the judgment seat. Now is the time that we have to prepare to lay up treasure in heaven. So how is your prayer life developed this past week? We talked about prayer a few weeks ago. Prayer changes eternity. It doesn't require a vast vocabulary. It's not the ability to say prayers by putting words together. It doesn't require massive theological training. It's, it's, it's not simply an intellectual exercise. It doesn't require a particular posture. It's not about standing or um, kneeling or praying with eyes open or closed. It's humbly calling out to God and the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God. Here's the thing that I've learned. Self-sufficient people don't think they need to pray. It always amazes me after a little bit of scuttlebutt in the, in the, you know, in, in the uh, commonwealth, <laughs> the states, the nation, that we get to pray. And a couple towers tragically hit, um, a couple planes hit the towers and we have a, a, a national disaster like that and people begin to pray. Um, when there's uh, a, um, a pandemic that breaks out or, you know, who knows whatever, then, then people want to pray. Even when um, uh, an athlete goes down on the, you know, on the field, we're rallied to pray, and we ought to be. Makes me wonder when things are going better, look, self-sufficient people don't think they need to pray, self-satisfied people don't want to pray, and self-righteous people can't pray. So, we need to pray. Now, if you want to take your spiritual temperature, check your prayer life. But watch this. If you want to grow spiritually, you need to spend time in the Word. Christians read God's Word, not merely for the love of knowing the Word of God. We don't worship a book. Christians read God's Word because we love God and we want to know the God of the Word. We worship God. And here's how this plays out. God's Word is absolute. In other words, it's not diminished in any way. It's not, it, it is independent to other things. It's universally valid. God's Word is absolute, and it is never obsolete. No long, and there never is a time where God's Word is going to run out of usefulness. It's not going to get out of date. And by the way, you can't say that God's Word is absolute and at the same time say it's obsolete. Those two it can't be both. Last week, we talked about the four keys to unlocking God's Word. Study it, memorize it, practice it, be changed by it. Be changed by God's Word. By the way, if your, if your religion doesn't change you, you ought to change your religion, right? God's Word changes us. You remember the acronym I mentioned last week for the word, word? I, I like it. Want, want it, open it, read it, do it. Sometimes in my simple mind, there's just some things that, uh, that connect, that help me and say, listen, there's all kinds of stuff going on, but sometimes I want the cookies on the bottom shelf where I can get a hold of them. That helps me to want it, to open it, to read it, and to do it. And remember when you open God's word, God opens his mouth. It, people oftentimes will say to me, I, I just can't hear God. What, what is God saying? What, 
I, I want to hear the voice of God. Scripture says that, that you know, the, his, his, his sheep know his voice. What does that mean? I can't hear God speak. Look, don't tell me you can't hear God's voice when your Bible is closed. Somebody had better help Ricky out. That deserves more than, right? Right? The words of Jesus don't abide without effect. I love this, John 17, 17. Make them holy by your truth, Jesus said. Teach them your word, which is truth. Now, today we're talking about fasting. Matthew chapter 6. I would say probably, you might agree with me, that Americans are pretty obsessed with food. We love food, don't we? We eat. Uh, we, live, we live to eat rather than eat to live. In fact, <laughs> um, this last week, um, I was doing some reading, and I came across a list of cities that are, are named after food. Do you know that there's Two Egg, Florida? Who knew? Two Egg, Florida. There is Bacon's, Delaware. How would you like to live in Bacon's, Delaware? There is a Pancake, Texas. I'm not kidding you. You're thinking I'm making this up. I'm not. There's a Pancake, Texas. There's a Toast, North Carolina. And there's a Jelly, California. That's breakfast right there. All that. Jelly, California. And I mean, it's, that goes with the continental breakfast um, there as well, you know. Um, fruits, nuts, and flakes, granola out in California. I know I'm in Michigan, I'm safe, and I can edit that, so don't worry. All right. Crazy names for town. It reminds me of a city in our own state, though. You know that there's a Hell, Michigan? Hell, Michigan. I know a pastor who, after Sunday evening services, used to love to invite his people to go to hell for ice cream. So who's going to join me in hell for ice cream? And uh, they'd drive a few miles over, and there was a great little ice cream spot over there. And by the way, there is a real hell, and I'm not talking about Michigan. People, it's an eternal place, and people really go there. But I'm here today to tell you that there's a real place called heaven and people really go there too. And the difference of where you end up is who you believe in. Scripture says, believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Heaven can be your home. I just want to say to you this morning, it doesn't matter how lost you are or how far you have fallen. There's enough grace for you. Love the old hymn that says, grace, grace, Marvelous, infinite, matchless grace. Watch this. Grace that is greater than all your sin. You say, well, it, it may be late. Maybe you've held out for years. But God has, remember, God made you and created you. We just celebrated that this morning. God made you and created you. So, He's the maker. He's, he's the creator. And not only that, he bought you with the price of his blood, Jesus Christ. So he has rights on your life. Refuse to let the devil sow the dust of time in your life. Um, and I, 
I said it in the first service, I'll say it again. I believe that there may be someone here this morning who's in the valley of decision. Do it before it's too late. Choose Christ. And if you do, you'll end up where he is, in heaven with the Father for eternity. There's no, there is no other plan known to man how to get to heaven except believing in Jesus Christ. Don't wait until it's too late. Even if you don't live in a town with a food name, we spent countless hours thinking about food, shopping for food, cooking food, craving other food. Service will be over soon. You can go get some food. What does Jesus say about fasting? Matthew chapter 6. Notice verse 16. And when you fast. Well, it's, it's not a command, thou shalt fast. It's not, it's not in that list. Thou, you know, thou shalt fast. It's declarative. No, it, but there's an assumption there. It's, it's implied that when you fast, that you would fast. I, I wonder, I mean, when is the last time that you've heard a message on fasting? When is, when's the last time that you've heard the word fasting in a church service except for maybe in passing? Is, could this be the first message you've ever heard on fasting? This is when you fast, don't look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Here it is again. But when you fast... Put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now let me just jump back up to the first verse, Matthew 6, verse 1. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. And so he's talking about fasting and, and, and doing it, um, what is implied is, is a, as a part of your spiritual journey, but not so that it causes attention to yourself. The purpose of fasting then is, is to cause you as a person to focus your attention on who Christ is and what he's doing and what he's trying to say, what he's teaching you. It's a difference between meditation on the world and Christian meditation. Meditation in the world is if I can just empty my mind of everything so that I'm thinking about nothing, somehow I'll reach nirvana. Versus Christian meditation is I'm thinking, I'm filling my mind and my heart with who God is, His wonder, His grace, His, His, His mercy, His, His great love for us. I'm filling my mind. Two absolutely opposite different things. People say, well, listen, I'm, I'm for meditation. Okay, well, what do you mean by that? Are you emptying your mind or are you filling your mind? And what are you filling your mind with? What are you meditating on? Um, but focusing on who God is. So that's, that's the purpose. Now I want you to jump with me to the Old Testament. And I'll give you a little time to find it. Isaiah 58. So in the Old Testament, you're going to go back in your Bible, Isaiah 58. And notice what it says here. Now in, in Matthew 6... Jesus is addressing um, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the, the scribes, who um, would, on, say, Monday and Tuesday, was 
was the day of market in town and also was a day that if you wanted to be seen by people, you'd, you'd go out on Monday and Tuesday and, and that's when the people were in the town. And so they would put on sackcloth and ashes and, and, and you know, ashes on their head and, 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 and um, they would walk around sad. You know, oh, that person must be fasting, that spiritual person that they are. And they were gaining attention, trying to seek attention for themselves. Jesus said, that's not what my intention for you at all is when it comes to fasting. To try and gain the attention of others on yourself, the focus is to gain the attention of Christ, to have our focus on on who He is. Now watch this in the Old Testament. In Isaiah chapter 58, here's what it says, Shout it aloud, don't hold back, raise your voice like a trumpet, declare to my people their rebellion, and to the descendants of Jacob their sins. For day after day they seek me out, they seem eager to know my ways, as if they were a nation that does what is right and not forsaken the commandments of its God. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them. And and in fact, they were living in abstract disobedience to God and they were about to be judged. They said, God, why aren't you blessing us? Do you know that you have the responsibility? If, if you want to be blessed, you want your cup to be blessed, you've got to get that thing um, right side up. If you're running around with a cup that's upside down, I mean, how, you know, that's, that's contrary to what God's word says and, and what his will is, and say, God bless that. Um, no, just no. He's not going to do that, right? Why have we fasted, they say? And you have not seen it. Why have we humbled ourselves and you've not noticed? Because God doesn't just look on the outward appearance. Motives matter to God. Yet on the day of your fasting, he says, you do as you please. You exploit your workers. So back in the day, the masters were exploiting those who worked for them, didn't pay them fair wages. Uh, They treated them harshly. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. So they might, on Monday and Tuesday, walk through town with sackcloth and ashes and appearing to be spiritual and and supposedly doing these fasts, but probably checking on people who they had hired to make sure they were doing their job, and if they weren't, they'd be heavy-handed with them later on. What it is, it's it's the living of of a life that really is fake, all right? He says, you can't fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Remember, your cup's upside down. Basically, he said, no. Is this the kind of fast I've chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves? So you walk around pretending to be humble. You know, in the American church, a lot of times that's what we do on Sunday. American people will come to church and say, listen, look at me. I'm humbly, I'm putting God first on this day. But Monday through Saturday, God is nowhere near the front of the pack. I'm just saying Nobody likes this good preaching, right? Am I just telling you the truth? We think I am. Have I wasted my time? No, I'm going to tell you the truth, right? We need to hear this. By the way, just so you know, I preach to myself and let you listen. God's Word's been challenging me. Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable for the Lord? Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? Watch this. To loose the chains of injustice. Fast all you want to. 
If you harbor bitterness in your heart, God sees through it. If if you have prejudice, racist in your heart, God sees it and knows it. He says, untie the cords of the yoke. Set the oppressed free. Break every yoke. So if you have food, if you have, if you have what is necessary to meet the needs of someone around you, it is, not, it is not for you to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter. When you see the naked, to clothe them and to not turn away from your own flesh and blood. I wonder what the world thinks about praying, Bible reading, church attending, fasting Christians who have no regard for their family. Can I tell you, I couldn't do what I do if I didn't believe in redemption. I believe in redemption. I did not tell you to be a doormat. I did not tell you to get taken advantage of. You... you Healthy people have healthy boundaries. But why do we give up on people that God hasn't given up on yet? Then your light, he said, all that happens, then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will appear quickly. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. People say, listen, I want all the Jesus, I want all the blessings of Jesus. He says, yeah. I want you to have all that too. But when does your light break forth? Once you've, once you've been faithful to fulfill all those other things. And, and look, farmers understand that. You don't get a crop if you don't plant something. Right? We know that. He says, then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, I am here. Where is God in my life? Why can't I hear him? What's going on? If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with, the appoint, with pointing fingers and malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You know what that means? It, it doesn't really matter what else is going on around you. If God is with you, greater is he who's in you than he who's in the world. Never seen the righteous forsaken or seed-banging bread. doesn't mean that things are going to be easy. doesn't mean that sometimes you're, 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 you, know, you don't say, listen, I'm hungry today. But there are things that God, God is faithful. It says he will strengthen your frame. You'll be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fall. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins, will raise up the old age foundations. You'll be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. That God would raise up a people that were repairers of walls, restorers of streets with dwellings, welcoming people. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable. See, I think one of the reasons people struggle on Sundays and worship, we don't always see the glory of God, is people who don't read God's Word, don't know God's Word, don't, don't love God, don't have a reason to worship. But people who do know God, who do love God, when we come together, there's a reason to worship. 
If you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord. And I will cause you to ride in triumph. Well, there's the motorcycle. Jesus loves motorcycles right there. If I'd have known that when I was a kid, I'd have used that on my dad. Cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. I did use that on my dad. When you think of the word fast, what do you think? For some, you say, well, it's a, it's a, it's a political ploy I hear of people who've gone on hunger strikes protesting some kind of social concern. Or some people, when they think about fasting, it's in a spiritual sense, they say, well, th- those are only those far-out fanatical people who fast. It's, it's a, a spiritual practice perhaps only the ultra-spiritual are a part of. Can I say this to you? Um, again, developing your toolbox to stand before an almighty God, which basically is to rely on the good grace of God because none of us will stand before God in any kind of a good standing apart from His grace and His imparted righteousness to us. But He is going to judge our lives. Not going to get away with that. He's going to see what we've done. And so we stand before, I'm trying to prepare you, get some tools in your toolbox. One of them is prayer. We talked about it. One of them is, is, is maturing in the Word. Here's something else every Christian needs in their toolbox, and it's fasting. Fasting. It is a way that we connect ourselves with who God is. But sometimes we think, well, that's just for the super spiritual people. Biblical terms of fasting. The truth is, for a long time, there hasn't been a lot said about fasting. But in ancient Israel, there were times of fasting proclaimed by the kings and prophets and other leaders in special times of distress. Um, people would, would vow not to eat as a demonstration of their dedication to Yahweh. Maybe they were seeking deliverance, seeking direction. But the prophets, we see in Isaiah, the prophet was not very impressed with, with the people. Isaiah declared that using a fast as a tool to manipulate Yahweh was worse than a worthless exercise. All the shows of faith and ritual and, and all of that, um, Isaiah, Isaiah called him out for it. Fasting is not a means of divine arm twisting. It's not a way of manipulating God. It's a means by which we demonstrate to God our humble obedience. We show the Lord the submission of our, of our bodies, indicating that we're also yielding our spirits to Him, our minds. It's a personal spiritual venture. Manipulating, fasting, using fasting to try to manipulate God is fruitless. Matthew uh, 6, verse 1 being careful to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. He said, that's not at all what this is about. What's interesting, that principle there in Matthew 6, and this is part of the, the, the text that we refer to as um, the, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Here in, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, he says, listen, this isn't about getting attention to yourself. And he addresses three areas. He said, one is giving. He talks about giving, that you don't give to be seen by others. He says, you don't pray so that others can see. And he says, you don't fast so that you can see. But those are, by, by the way, um, giving, praying, fasting are, are demonstrations of the fact that we know God, love God, and are submitted to His Word and submitted to His will. 
It's not a show to men, it's a submission to God. The word in the New Testament for fast literally means not to eat. That's what it means in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, the word means to close your mouth. And so there you have it. Pretty simple, isn't it? If your mouth is closed, you can't eat. Right? Old Testament, New Testament come together. Principle is pretty true. Christian history has been shaped by Christians who gave, who prayed, and who fasted. Wesley wrote, when we seek God with fasting added to prayer, you, can't, you cannot seek his face in vain. John Calvin fasted and his prayers were answered and he saw uh, almost the entire city of Geneva come to faith in Christ. Jonathan Edwards, the evangelist who preached the famous sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, fasted. He was overheard saying this. He said, O Lord, praying, give me England. Lord, give me England. A heavy heart and with tears, he rose from his knees. He's made his way to, to a pulpit. July 8th, 1741, to preach. For three days prior, he had fasted and prayed to prepare his heart for the sermon of his life. He delivered that famous sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. His, historians record the fact that he was so overcome with the Spirit of God. In, in a, um, he was, he was, he had difficulty seeing. He held the message, his notes up in front of his face. You, could, you couldn't see his lips move. You could hear his voice booming. And the presence of God filled that place. He preached and preached until the people in the crowd were moved beyond control. They were standing in, in the awe of the holiness of God. And that night the fire fell. Believers were brought to tears, grief over their own sin, and they fell on their faces repenting. And unbelievers came to Jesus in salvation, both of which are the results of a spiritual awakening. Charles Finney had the power of God upon him in a remarkable way. Um, it says of Finney, when he would feel the, the power of God um, ebbing away, that he would set aside several days for fasting and prayer. Look, if Wesley and Calvin and, and Edwards and Finney and Jesus fasted and other countless saints that have gone before us, don't you think that the modern church might ought to ask ourselves a question, could it be that the reason for our powerlessness is because we've not learned how to get a hold of God in fasting and prayer? You remember the occasion with the epileptic boy where the disciples prayed and yet um, there was no effect and Jesus first of all chided them for their lack of faith and then he said to them, some things are not accomplished without prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. What is fasting? It is simple terms for a Christian. Fasting is to refrain, refrain from food for a period of time for a spiritual purpose. When is the last time that you have fasted and prayed? It's a time when you starve out the old um, you know, Adamic nature, your carnal self, in order to become sensitive to the voice of God and the things of the Spirit. Joshua 3.5, Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. God alone is the one who can meet our deepest needs. It's a matter of power, Holy Spirit power. He, we need the power of God to renew us and refresh us, to give us a, a passion for holiness, to, to give us a hunger for His Word. God by His Word and Spirit and through prayer and fasting can, can help us to prioritize worship. It'll give us a spirit of generosity. 
If we want to pray with power, there are times that it needs to be accompanied with fasting. I'm not saying that every time you pray, you should fast, but there's times of special needs that require fasting and prayer. I believe that there are special needs in in this body, this fellowship today, that require a fresh touch of God. There are marriages that are in trouble. There are members contemplating suicide. There are parents dealing with rebellious children. There's drug addiction. There's pornography addiction. There's final, a financial debt. And there's some times and people that have been praying about these things for a long time, and, and they've never taken the time to fast and to pray. And I'm not saying that you somehow can manipulate God. You cannot manipulate God. But again, God can do in a moment what we can't do in a lifetime. And what if, by God's mercy and God's grace, thank you, He begins to release the captives and He turns people free. And the things that have been burdening you, the yoke of slavery, is finally broken by the power of God in your life. When the power of prayer and fasting is discovered and enveloped in our lives, we can experience some breakthroughs and victories that Satan, until now, Satan has convinced you will never be overcome. And I believe that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness because they will be filled. Maybe it is if we would take time to fast and to pray, limit the cessation or limit the sensations of earthly things long enough to focus our attention on who Christ is. He would hear us from heaven and he would heal our land. As a general rule, whenever you find someone in the Bible who fasted, it always involved prayer. It's taking away food and drink, adding prayer and word with your time with God. It's not just abstaining for food. If that were the case, that would be called dieting. Fasting is not dieting. It's voluntarily withdrawing from food or drink or other fleshly appetites for a specific period of time for a spiritual purpose. Um, I was out of time 10 minutes ago. <laughs> no pun intended. Listen, listen fast. We're going to put them all up there. Just put them all up at one time. Here's some fasts, an absolute fast. No food or water. Miraculous fast of this nature should be done judiciously. A normal fast. No solid food. Moses fasted. Jesus fasted. Paul fasted. Um, different lengths of time. A normal fast. There's a partial fast. So you, you omit certain foods, but not others. Um, so that was what happened in, in the book of Daniel. Um, they ate certain kinds of food and refrained from other kinds of food. Remember at the end of the period of time, they were stronger, looked stronger and healthier than those who ate from the king's table. Partial fast. There's a corporate fast. That involves a group of believers. There's a national fast when an entire nation fasts. Jehoshaphat called a national fast when he was threatened by Edom. Second Chronicles, you can read about that. Ezra 8, chapter, uh, chapter 8, verse 21, called the nation of Israel to fast before returning to the land. Joel called a fast. Um, the big locust, the little locust, the locust swarm. 
um, the plague of locusts, they'd come and were destroying the land, and Joel said, let's just pray. Maybe we'll pray, and God will save the land. There's all kinds of different fasts. Um, Paul spoke of a fast that calls for abstinence from sexual relationships with your spouse for a period of time for the purposes of prayer. You can read about that in 1 Corinthians. Fasting from addictive behaviors. If someone can't fast from, from um, food or drink for health reasons, you can fast from other activities. Um, probably all of us would do well if we fasted some time from our cell phones. Uh, maybe you need to fast some time from reading uh, non-spiritual material and, and re- spend time when you're fasting and praying to read about You can give up an indulgence. You can give up shopping. Spending money of any kind. Sometimes I just have money in my pocket, and I I just want, I want to go spend some money. I don't hear. I just want to go spend some money. Well, God help us. I'm such a mess. Give up talking. How about that one? And not so you can be a passive aggressive jerk to your spouse either. That's not what I'm talking about. So I'm I'm fasting. <laughs> well, okay. Length of a fast. Short fast, one day, one night. Sometimes there were two days, three days, seven days, 14 days, 40-day fasts. I know some people have done 40-day fasts. Reason for fasting. All kinds, either after a defeat. God, what happened? Help us. When there's a need for repentance, God, forgive me. When there's a need to discern God's will. The early church, after... Pentecost, Acts 13, and uh, after Pentecost, how are we going to spread the gospel? How are we going to make all these disciples? And, and they, they sent out Paul and Barnabas. In sickness, times of sickness, we could pray and fast. Nehemiah, before he, he began the big project of rebuilding the wall, prayed and fasted. Hannah prast, fasted and prayed for a son to break spiritual strongholds. We already talked about the epileptic boy in Matthew 17. Fasting. How do you walk it out? I'm going to invite the team to come. They're going to lead us in our last song. When fasting, practice humility in all things. Spend time in prayer. Read Scripture, memorize key verses, worship and praise and thank God, journal your time. It's a spiritual tool that God has given to us to be all that we can be. Now, this, in, this series of messages is intended to be practical. And like, like I've, I mentioned earlier, and I, I've said so many times and it's not cliche that I preach to myself God opens up things in scripture and study reading his word commentaries listening to other proclaimers of the truth that 
I want to be growing. I want to be maturing in my faith. And, and, I, and I need handles from time to time. And I, if left on my own, I'm not going to prosper like I would if I, if I wasn't around other people who were pouring into my life or that I had opportunity to exercise my faith and share with them. One of the things that we're doing, and you'll um, hear more about this in the coming weeks, but we've developed a, a guide. Um, it's in production at this point, and you know, don't, don't look for some fancy spiral-bound thing, but we, we're putting together a, a handbook that'll help us walk it out. During the 40 days leading up to Easter, from Ash Wednesday to um, Easter, and we've expanded it just a touch. We're going to encompass seven weeks, so a little more than 40 days there. A, a manual that will help us um, together. There's a scripture to read, and so we're going to spend some time in the Word. You, you spend time in your Word and, and, and everything else that you're doing, but you can do this as well. You can join with others, and it'll be a book that you'll, be, you'll receive. You'll be, you'll be able to have it with you and read some scripture every week. You know that everyone else in the church is, is reading those scriptures on that day. And part of that is um, an opportunity to pray. What are you praying about? And what are those answers to prayer and, and, and an invitation to invite, invite you to pray? Part of that is, um, when it comes to the word, is, is every, every week to, with the rest of the body to memorize one verse of scripture. <laughs> I ask... I asked some of our patron saints, I said, if you had the chance as, as a man or a woman of God to tell people in, in a church seven verses that they could memorize that have had impact on your life, that you think they could be a part of it, and I got suggestions and seven verses. There's a, a section in there that has options of of different fasts that you could do that week. You could fast for a day. You could fast a meal. You could fast. Um, so there, there's, there'll be instructions on there on how, how you can do that. But the point is to, to put handles on this walking it out. You see, I'm trying to get you through the intersection without getting smushed. Right? How are we going to walk out our faith? How are we going to walk out our faith? And I believe that God is preparing us for um, a move of His Spirit that I, I want to be a part of. I don't want to miss it. There's an old hymn that says this, Pass me not, O gentle Savior. Hear my humble cry. While on others you are calling, do not pass me by. Jesus, Savior, do not pass me by. I'm trying to prepare us together to have our cups upside right so that when God comes by, we will know and experience all that God has for us. And more than that, that He would so transform our lives that the things He would change the desires of our hearts 
that the desires of our hearts would match his word and will and that we would see him do things that would never happen apart from a mighty move of God. So Heavenly Father, we submit to you. Hear our humble cry. While you're coming by, don't pass us. Lord, we need you. Oh, we need you. Thank you for joining us for this message from the Summit Church Podcast. Again, if you have any questions, visit us at summitniles.com. Now go and be the church in the world 